Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming. You're listening to Elder Law Issues, a weekly podcast of the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. I'm one of the partners there. And one of the other partners, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, has joined me today again, as she so often does. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Robert. What are we talking about today? I thought maybe we'd talk about healthcare powers of attorney. And please, everybody remember, we are Arizona lawyers. So what we're about to tell you might or might not be true in your state. You should talk to your own elder law attorney if you are not in Arizona. And don't treat everything we say as gospel in all of the states. Though often we know a little something about one or another state. but uh, And we can generalize. But we're really talking about Arizona law. So Elizabeth, Arizona specifically recognizes a health care power of attorney by which you can designate someone to make decisions for you if you are unable to make those decisions yourself. We also in Arizona specifically recognize a living will. And, um, you know, I don't want to pay a bunch of lawyers a bunch of money. I'd like to just find a form online and fill it out. And, uh, and then I don't have to get a lot of interference from lawyers. Is that okay? Well, Robert, it's a great question. And for many people, their wishes are a little more complicated than a regular form. So we usually discourage people from just going online and getting a form, downloading it, and trying to complete it on their own. Most people have more details, questions. A lot of times on a healthcare power of attorney, you're making incredibly important decisions about end-of-life care who is going to help you with those decisions and what the authority is that that person can can have. So yes, you can download forms. In fact, the Arizona Secretary of State's website has a standard form, healthcare power of attorney. They have a separate form for a mental healthcare power of attorney and a living will. And sometimes people need, need forms in, in a hurry and well, they do that and they download those. So yes, those are effective forms if they're completed correctly, and the Secretary, Secretary of State does keep those forms updated. So in certain circumstances, Robert, I might say to somebody, sure, that's a great idea if you can't get into our office this week, but I usually try and discourage it. Uh, I know that the Arizona Attorney General also has the forms on their website. You could look there as well. And those forms are not, uh, are not forms that the Attorney General and the Secretary of State wrote. Those forms are in the statute because the Arizona statute that approved both healthcare powers of attorney and living wills said, and the form can be in in the in a form like this, and then sketches out a, a power of attorney. So that's the form that is widely available online. And it's the same form, Robert, on both of those websites. Right. I think the Secretary of State um, sends a link over to the Attorney General's website. I think that's right. And you can also get a, the same form or packet of forms from area agencies on aging and all sorts of different places. If those forms are so widely available and they're easy to find and pretty easy to fill out, what value do lawyers like us bring to the equation? What What's great, so great about our form that people should come see us instead? Well, Robert, the first thing is we don't really have a standard form. Well, we use a template that we then complete. We really taper that towards what the client wants, what their needs are, what their particular healthcare predicaments may be. Um, sometimes people have very specific diagnoses, conditions, diseases that they want addressed in their healthcare power of attorney. So for us, what we do that 
you know, the internets or the interwebs can't do is we actually talk to people about the form, what it, what it means, what it should include, whether we need to include all of the things that might be in the standard form. Sometimes people want to have one document rather than three or four different healthcare related forms. And we try and put everything in one place, which I think is a real advantage to people, particularly in an emergency. Arizona law does say you don't have to use the form in the statute. It's just one form. And you're right that that the three different forms that are available on the website are all um, separate forms in the way that they're they're put out by the Attorney General and the Secretary of State. Uh, the healthcare power of attorney, the mental health power of attorney, and the living will are all separate documents. There's no reason they can't be combined into a single document and uh, and and be a little bit more efficient. And that's usually what we do in our office when we draft these documents. We combine them into one document. I know that one of the other things about the forms, the Arizona-specific forms, um, is that the form for the the uh, living will says. Um, here are the four choices. I think it's four. Uh, initial the one that applies to you. And as you read through them, they all sound pretty good. They all sound like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. And I've seen a lot of people who initial more than one of the choices. Some of them are actually a little bit mutually exclusive. So I think it's just confusing to people to figure out what their what their actual wishes are. And I think, Robert, to that point, one of the challenges when people read these forms is they will often have defined terms like principal and agent. And unless you know what the defined term means, people can end up mixing up either the principal or the agent who should really be in the other spot on the form. I've seen people create their own healthcare power of attorney and called himself or herself the agent rather than the principal. And if you do that, the form's basically useless. The other defined term in the statutory form that I'd kind of like to get people to pull away from is terminal condition. Uh, the, the form says, if I'm in a terminal condition, then I want these, these different treatments to be, appro- uh, different treatment approaches to be considered. But, you know, life is a terminal condition and it's just poorly defined. And there's nothing in the Arizona law that requires the limitation of terminal condition. So in, in the documents that we prepare, we usually avoid the phrase terminal condition and simply say, if I'm unable to communicate and unlikely to recover, then this form should govern uh, what I, how I'm treated. Uh, Elizabeth, an awful lot of our clients, I know you've seen them too, have come in with a document that they've found online that looks a little bit like a living will. In fact, the most common one is something called five wishes. Um, I know I'm kind of delighted when I see a client has found the five wishes form and has filled it out. Is that a valid document um, under Arizona law? You know, Robert, I would say that depends on how they completed the document, where it was from, what statutes or statutory references or language may be included. It could be considered a valid legal document. The most important thing about the document is that it does spell out who somebody wants to have in charge of healthcare decisions and what healthcare decisions they want the person to make. The thing about the five wishes document that I also really like is that it does walk people through in more of a question kind of a format 
What's important to them? What are the things that they're concerned about or that they may want to restrict as far as it goes to limitations on their agent's authority? And so I think it's an easy to read and understand form. I have seen different versions of the five wishes, and that's one of the reasons why I caution people about completing that and relying on it as a legal document. Yeah, and when I said I like it when people bring it in, I really mean it's it forces them to have thought about things and and uh, sort of outlined their wishes, and um, and that's a very good basis for a, a clearly effective document. I think that uh, it's probably true that the five wishes document is valid under Arizona law to do the things that it is purporting to do. But there is no doubt that it can be valid as an expression of the wishes of the person. And so it might be that taking the five wishes document or any of the similar kinds of things you can find online and using that as the starting point for a healthcare power of attorney and living will is and, really excellent. And one of the, the challenges, Robert, when we see people create multiple versions of healthcare powers of attorney, and this is one of the challenges I have with the five wishes, is it doesn't always explicitly say in the document that previous healthcare powers of attorney are revoked right. upon the execution of that document. So some of the challenges with ancillary documents, whether they're created in a hospital, uh, off of a form online, through a friend, your own written notes, is that if you end up having multiple forms signed on different dates with different or competing instructions or ambiguity about which form supersedes another, that can create confusion. And so I think you're absolutely right that having people bring in that five wishes document or any of their own personal notes or uh, former powers of attorney that they may have created, it's incredibly helpful because it helps us know whether or not somebody's really thought about these decisions before, or if they have, whether there's really specific reasons that they may want to change or add greater detail in some areas of of the normal kind of a template we might use. And absolutely, um, please, everybody, when you've completed your documents, whether you download them, whether you do the five wishes, whether you come to our office and have a, a beautiful, um, nice typeface document that that is more personalized to you, whatever you do, however you have your document, when the hospital admissions clerk says, do you have an advanced directive? Please say yes. And when they say, do you have it with you? Please say I do, or if you don't, no, but I'll get it. And when they say, oh, here, just sign this document, say, no, thank you. Just don't sign that document that they hand you. Because as Elizabeth says, the most recent document is going to control and you will probably have effectively revoked all of the, the hard work that you uh, that you did to come up with your, your personalized advanced directives. Gosh, if only there was a, a place where you could Put your documents online so you could get easy access to them while you're standing in the admissions room at the hospital. Well, Robert, in fact, there is the Arizona Healthcare Directive Registry, which is, I think, somehow being updated through some <laughs> through some other Arizona service. And so somebody is thinking about this in Arizona. We know that. But whether or not people can actually download their form specifically using a password and user login, um, that, that, that's up for anybody's guess. Elizabeth is, uh, is poking fun at me because our weekly print newsletter was about the updates to the 
advanced directive registry that are just coming into effect now. But Arizona has had one for some years. It's a very efficient place to keep track of your advanced directives. My advanced directives are registered there, as are my wife's. Uh, I'm guessing Elizabeth's probably are as well. And it's a, it's a really nice way to make sure you have access to the document when you're in the emergency room or for that matter at the, uh, at, at the admission clerk in the urgent care center where you've stopped because of a toothache or a sprained finger or whatever. Um, that, those are the places where people end up signing new documents. So bottom line, Elizabeth, uh, we started with the question, can you just download the form and fill it out and save the legal costs for your healthcare power of attorney? Yes, Robert, you can. Is it what I would do? No. Good answer. And with that, we'll wrap up today. You're listening to Elder Law Issues, which is a weekly podcast of the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. I'm Robert Fleming, my co-host, co-partner. Uh, we got to come up with a name for for exactly what our relative positions are in the podcast. Is Elis- friend, my co-friend is Elizabeth <laughs> Noble Rawlings Freeman. And we hope you'll join us next time. By that time, maybe we'll figure out what titles we want to use.